You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are back, and this time we are going back to 1991, and we are looking at The Commitments. That's right, a movie by some really great, talented folks, some amazing music, and directed by Alan Parker, and it should be a very interesting conversation to get talking about Mustang Sally and all the other great music that came out of this by a soul band from Dublin, of all places. It's, it's actually a lot of fun. Um, it's a great movie based off a great book, and it's just really awesome that we get to do this one. I've wanted to talk about this one for quite some time. A man who has so much soul in his life that he just sings out loud whenever the chance he can. Let's welcome my co-host for tonight, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy! How are you, my friend? I, I'm. God sent me on a Suzuki. On a Suzuki? No way. God would never send you on a Suzuki. <laughs> Can you believe it's been 30? This is the 30-year anniversary of the commitments. It's it's amazing because I remember seeing this in the movies, and it's, wait, I don't wait. feel that old. It, back in the days when we could go to the movie theater? Well, I'm hoping we're going to be able to eventually this year. I really hope we're eventually going to be able to, you know, slowly and surely, you know, get your movie on again in the theater with popcorn and soda and you know whatever other movie treats you know jujubes if you want or candies it should be you know i miss those days um but you know until then we got the commitments so it's pretty awesome so i'm really looking forward to talking about this one with you because i'm curious about what your thoughts absolutely are we are we are the hardest working podcast in the world Oh, I've been saying that for many years now. Just nobody's listening to, for us to do that, to realize that we're here and we don't even know it. You know, so we should, that should be our slogan, the hardest working podcast in the country. <laughs> I think that almost would fit. Really, really would. So it's going to be great to hear from you guys at home too. We definitely would love to know your thoughts on the commitments. What were, did you guys love it or did you not like it? You know, some people you know, this falls flat on some of the humor, some of the, you know, harshness of Northern Ireland at the time. It's really interesting to, you know, see what's going on in this movie and such. They don't cut any corners on that part. So it should be a lot of fun. Definitely write us feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Of course, you know, as we always say, please tell your friends and neighbors about us. We, we're not too proud to beg on the show we really aren't you know too proud to beg we're not too proud to beg you know we would love to you know get everybody listening to us as we like to say and you know we could be found wherever fine podcasts are found and you know just tell your friends give us five stars you know leave feedback anything you could do please we would really appreciate it all right that's all the begging you're going to get for me tonight <laughs> 
That is it. Because coming up next, we have to say hi to our friends over at Tifosi Optics. That's right. Tifosi Optical has some amazing sunglasses for sale. And you know what, Mikey? I am wearing my Tifosi Optical sunglasses right now with my red shades and my purple frames. I think it's pretty darn awesome. What I created, you know, I just went into the website, tifosioptics.com, selected sunglasses, and I got to pick my colors. And if I really wanted to, if I wanted to wear these all the time, especially when I'm driving, I can get these prescribed even, you know, because I have, you know, astigmatism and everything. And it's tough for me to, you know, find glasses that I can wear sometimes. And it's pretty awesome that, you know, Tifosi Optics can take your prescription and they will make a prescription pair of sunglasses for you even. And not that expensive. It's pretty darn awesome that they could do that for you. And of course, they always have the blue light blocking glasses for you. And they also have, of course, the gamer glasses. They also have the face shields and the safety glasses. So they're just not sunglasses. Tofosi Optics is all the way across the board. And if you go into tofosioptical.com, put in the coupon code EarthStation1, guess what, folks? You can get 10% off your order. It's not too shabby. So please be like me, have really cool sunglasses, and go to tofosioptics.com. All right, folks, we got be something. Be like Mike. Be like Mike. Be like Mike. And now we're going to be like Zach, though. We are going to be like Zach. People have been wondering what our thoughts are on the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, which premiered on HBO Max last week. And, well, we're going to talk about it now. We're going to spoil some of this. So, folks, if you haven't sat through all four hours of this, and, God, we did sit through all four hours of this. We did that for you. We really did that for you. That, you know, we're going to talk about it for a bit now. And first off, what were your initial thoughts, Mikey? Well, before we start talking about it, like, remind people what you thought of the theatrical cut. Like, so what were your, what were your thoughts of that one? And, uh, you know, going into this one, yeah, what were you thinking? Initially, I thought... It was okay. I I didn't go back and listen to what I said because I might be contradicting myself left and right. I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it, if I remember correctly. Uh, I thought it was, you know, it was still a mixture of Zach and Joss Whedon's universes and their visions for Justice League. And you could see some stark contrasts in the storytelling. I thought we finally got a Superman that Henry was meant to be with the Justice League because he actually smiled a couple times in this. And I really enjoyed that. And that was my biggest plus, if I remember correctly, that I really was happy to see that we finally got in the, in the Snyderverse, the Superman that we were supposed to get, the, you know, Superman who was a protector of all and was the ultimate Boy Scout type good guy and you were he was here to you know how you got superman racing the flash which was fripping awesome you know i love that because that's right from the comics but the rest of it was i was mad on i was mad on the supervillain i was which was steppenwolf there was no dark side there was no apocalypse stuff as much like this that we watched this week and I thought I was just, he was not a great villain back then. And I echo it still for 
this this new version. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a few. What was your th- thoughts on the original, Mikey? Um, I think I was probably more positive than you. I know, shocker. Um, but uh, um, I don't remember hating it. Uh, in fact, I do have it on Blu-ray. Um, and so I, uh, but I think I've watched the Blu-ray once in addition to seeing it originally in the theater. And, uh, I think I left it at that. Um, I'm not a big, huge fan of Snyder's vision overall of Superman and and all that sort of thing. It's just in, in the DCU characters. I do like the casting of all of them. I do like the casting in particular of Henry Cavill as Superman, I like the casting of uh, uh, Ben Affleck as Batman. And of course, Gal Gadot is my favorite uh, as Wonder Woman. I think those three in particular are amazing. I just wish they were, you know, featured in a better written story. And uh, so I didn't, I wasn't clamoring for Zack Snyder cut uh, like a lot of people were, but I do understand that he did get his original vision taken away. And so the idea of, of getting, giving him a chance to present his version of what the movie would have been, uh, I think is, is kind of cool um, to some extent. Um, I, I watched, uh, and I'll just go into it. I watched uh, the Snyder cut on Thursday. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I, um, I wasn't expecting much, but uh, I, I didn't think it felt long, uh, to be honest with you. I, I started it about eight and finished it up a little after midnight or whatever. And I thought, OK, um, it didn't feel like any different than binge watching, like several other things that I've binge watched over the years. Um, Agreed with that. I do. And uh, I, I think the story made a lot more sense. Uh, I, I do think that, so, you know, I think that, um, the characters were all given, uh, characteristics like things to do and backstories, even Steppenwolf, which I thought, uh, he was almost the most improved out of all of the characters that were in the original theatrical cut, because like, I think even, yeah, to your point, like Steppenwolf was just this CG thing it didn't even really make any sense as to we didn't know who he was or anything about him and then uh but we get a backstory with him we have you know reasons why he's doing stuff and you know his end ultimately i thought was pretty dramatic and cool um uh and we did get to see dark side a little bit as well as Desad, which was i like the effect that they used on that um it is bloated like, I think a perfect world, if there is a perfect world, like, this would have been maybe three hours. Well, you could have taken the slow motion out of it, and you would have gotten a three-hour movie right there. Yeah, if you if you took all the shots that were done in slow motion and just made them regular <laughs> speed, it would have saved an hour. Oh, um, I mean, very easily. I'm not a big fan of Zack Snyder's, like, yeah, his style. Like, I, I think, uh, you know, I mean, I know, I think they're going to release a black and white version of this. Oh, just what we and need. And my, my point, is, my question is kind of like, we already got one. Because, I mean, there's not a lot of colors. Like, he, he likes to, he likes to, like, just drain all the colors out of, out of his movies. So they seem pretty monochrome anyway. 
Well, exactly. Um, a Zack Snyder movie, you basically get pretty much a monochrome color film, and you get the song Hallelujah somewhere in the movie. Well, you know, I'm going to give him a pass on that. Uh, I mean, that's his daughter's favorite song. Well, it's it's a and, wonderful song, and I don't... And, and you know, it, I mean, the reason that he wasn't able to finish it is because she committed suicide. So Correct. if he wants to honor her, I'm not going to have a problem with that. No, if he wants but, to put it in all of his movies, don't have a problem with that. Well, I do, but that's okay. But and I don't, I don't, you know, fault him for leaving the film. He left for family reasons, for his daughter committing suicide, and there's no way he could have gone on. I would have thought less of him if he went went on. And I'm glad he got to do his vision and his version of what he wanted, truthfully. But did I enjoy it? No, I didn't. Because I felt like that was four hours I would not ever get back from myself. And, you know, I'll, I watched it. I will never watch it again. And I probably won't watch another Zack Snyder project. Because I thought there was too much cyborg. I thought the it completed his story and made it a little smoother than what the original was. And I liked that. But I thought there was a little bit too much of it because they were working towards a cyborg film. It felt like they took everything that was supposed to be going into the cyborg move, origin movie that they were going to be created. And they said, oh, since that's not that project's not happening now, let's just let's just throw it into this movie. And I think that's what I felt like we got a lot of. I also felt like, you know, I'm glad they rounded off the Flash story. Yes. But... The one thing I did like is because I know they had cut the character of Iris out from the original with the original version of Justice League. And I'm glad they put her back in because the same actress is going to be in the Flash film. So I'm going to be it's going to be interesting to see. Overall, I could have done with an art like I said, like we joked about saying about the slow motion. I could have easily done without an hour of this movie. I probably would have enjoyed it more. I did geek out seeing Apocalypse. I did get geek out seeing Dark Side, Granny Goodness, and Decide was awesome. I I was total total geek there, and I like how they changed the backstory of the um, Mother Boxes coming to Earth instead of it being Steppenwolf. It was Dark Side, and I thought that made more sense you know, to the story. And I, I enjoyed that part more. And I like how the heroes United pretty much handed dark side his first major defeat. And the, you know, it was basically the, it was the Greek gods. And, you know, that was pretty darn awesome to see that, that scene I think was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Didn't like the version of Superman we got in this one, you know, I wasn't even looking at the CGI mustache. It was cool because I don't think it was there this time. I was going to say, I don't think it was there. I know. Not like it was last time. So I uh, did like Batfleck. And I thought, truthfully, the Wonder Woman scene that we got, I think it was pretty much the same scene that we got in the original version with her at the bank um, fighting the terrorists. I think that was be that scene there was better than 
pretty much any battle we got in Wonder Woman 84. So I'm, I'm sorry, Patty Jenkins, but I think Zach did it better there. And I, I enjoyed it. And those are the things I enjoyed in it. I uh, didn't like anything with Aquaman. I don't know. It just didn't hit with me. And I enjoyed the Aquaman movie. But this Aquaman in this just didn't sit well with me. So I liked some of the cyborg stuff. Um, I wish we got more of Jeremy Irons' as Alfred. It was just awesome. And, you know, so those are the things I liked and disliked about it. Hmm. Well, you did get more of him uh, than in the original version. So, oh, very uh, much so. So so there's more Irons. Uh, and there's more of everything, actually. Um uh yeah and so uh yeah i mean i totally i totally see that i i don't know i think you know I, it's not going to be obviously it's not a favorite movie of mine but i don't hate it um will i watch it again maybe someday um but uh it would be interesting if anybody does want to you know listen to our our uh detailed thoughts of the original theatrical version they can just pull up episode 396 uh because that's where we tackled that uh of course with our movie crew as well as uh i think we had uh earth station dcu join us for that one too as a I crossover we, i definitely think it was a crossover and where were we cross um i don't know if it was you know certainly and yeah and yeah it's hard to review a four-hour uh usually it takes us like two hours to review a two-hour movie i don't think we're going to devote we we obviously didn't want to devote four hours to re- reviewing a four-hour movie um but um yeah i it is i think i don't know i think uh there's a lot of people who weren't gonna like it that watched it and guess what they didn't like it (laughs) so i i think there's a lot of people who uh didn't know if they like it or not and uh i mean it's gotten some good reviews out there um whether or not zach gets to continue with his version of dc films at all i don't know I, I I mean the jury's still out on that. So obviously the ending of the uh the Snyder cut uh shows us a potential um storyline going forward for another Justice League adventure. Um and you know what? I, I, I will tell you, even though I'm not a huge fan of Zach, um if they get this cast together to do another Justice League movie, I will be there because I, I do like this cast of characters and yes that includes i missed i didn't mention him before but that includes uh jason momoa i also love the addition uh making it seven characters i do love the addition of martian manhunter finally finally which was uh, awesome which um, was awesome yeah so i you know if we get you know the because to me the justice league will always be the seven um now uh that seven is a little different in the comics than it is in the in the in the movie but uh, by one so instead of cyborg you have uh green lantern right um but apart from that i i you know this is as close as i'm going to get i mean i'm a dc fanboy uh this is as close as i'm going to get to seeing uh those characters on screen and and to be honest i i think there's good points there's enough good points in there uh, enough good scenes enough good stuff that makes me um interested and i probably will at some point you know because i'll for you know with my memory i'll forget how bad it is uh in about you know six months time and then i'll probably go mm, maybe i should rewatch watch that 
mine will never be that way. <laughs> It'll be etched into my memory right there, sir. And I would I would watch this again before watching the Joss Whedon one again. Oh, I agree completely. I agree. Completely. I, I don't think I'll ever watch the Joss Whedon one again. To be honest with you, this one has and 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 not just because. I mean, for a lot of things now, I mean, talk about a reversal, right? I mean, back when this was done, even though I think a lot of us felt for Zack Snyder, what he was going through personally, he wasn't well-liked in the fan community because of of the the darkness that he brought to everything. And Batman v Superman really was a misstep for him. And he was coming off of that. And so, and Joss Whedon, all hail Joss, right? He had uh the the you know the guy who did buffy firefly now did two avengers movies and we couldn't be more excited that he was coming over to do dc movie and lighten things up and give us a dc that we that we felt we deserved um and now it's it's almost the reverse people are uh praising Zack snyder and joss whedon is uh persona non grata so to speak well exactly and truthfully i don't i'll be surprised if we see from joss again and you know he might show up late a couple years later when things have calmed down but i don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of him and you know zach's already working on next projects i think he's doing a zombie movie next i think it's coming out soon i think it's uh something of the dead right or something like army of the dead is that right i think something like that yeah i I think it's i think it's coming out this year well but, but like you um same way i bought the Justice League movie on 4K, actually, mm. to, you know, say, all right, I'll sit down and watch it again. I never did. I never went back <laughs> and watched it. It was, um, we recently sold it, all, like a lot of our movies, because we're mostly going streaming now. And a lot of the, you know, movies that we were going through, his that Justice League movie was never opened. They got a brand new version of it when we sold it. So, Someone got a really good deal out there. Let's just say that. So, yeah, I'm not going to be running back to Justice League. Uh, If they come out with a sequel, and I hope they do. You know, I love the characters. I've been reading Justice League since I was seven years old. What did you think of the end? Um, With Martian Manhunter or? No, the the possible future. Hated it. Hated it. Joker was good. I actually want to give... Jared, um, some props because I hated his Joker and Suicide Squad. Um, he was awesome as the Joker in this, and I guess you know everyone knows that Batman's Bruce Wayne at this point. <laughs> you know, it's like it's no secret to anybody that. So it's pretty. I think at that point it doesn't matter. No, it really, really doesn't matter. And you know, I I thought his character was great. I thought his character was great. I didn't like the scene itself, but the I but I didn't like that in Batman v Superman when we watched it, when Batman had the dream, and so I don't know what to say other than meh. <laughs> if it's that sequel, I will not be back for it. But if it's another adventure, you know, with the Justice League, because there's so many stories they can tell, and you know, then at the end maybe. You know, Darkseid showing up, you know, coming, you know, his his fleet shows up and builds towards something. Maybe. But I, if it's another just dark adventure building into this, you know, desolate earth, you know, 
that Apocalypse is one and Superman's under the control, nah, I won't be there. Because I don't think that's, that's not Superman, you know. Unfortunately, it's been all too often. Uh, they tell these tales of of dark superheroes and, you know, like, um, uh, I think, uh, what is it? The Injustice, right? Games? Yes. Right, that series is all about that. William used to play those. Yeah, that's a, it seems like that's been where it's more prevalent, but um yeah. I don't know, like I said, if if they if they do stuff, I'll 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 watch uh you know, I haven't seen enough that really turns me completely off yet. Um but uh but uh it was an interesting look, I'm, like I said, I'm happy that Zach got to tell the story because it does at the end at the end of the day, the movie does make more sense story-wise story-wise yes that he got to finish it and and uh but it's just so so long and long and long i thought this should have been called justice league the never-ending story well they they you know they spent 70 some million dollars it's like on on this so it's like yeah i'm glad that they didn't you know it's not going to be short they didn't just spend it on salaries no they paid it all to jared leto you know it went all went to his salary you know, he's in demand, so what can you say? But yeah, I thought it was, I'm glad we got to watch it, and I'm glad we got to talk about it, because I think we needed to. And a few people on Facebook were asking, are you guys going to be talking about it this week? Here you I go. Here you go. We're talking about it. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Are either of us on point? Are we both off point? Let us know. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you and your thoughts about it. And we'll talk about it next week when you guys write us, you know, or if you guys write us. Please write us. We definitely want to hear what you guys have to say on this. Not that we haven't been seeing it all over social media. We've been hearing it. So, and, you know, we, you know I'm not even going to start talking about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier because we're going to be doing an episode about that in a few weeks. So, should be very cool. So let's take a quick break, and we are going to be back in a moment, and we're talking about The Commitments. We're the Con Guys, as in Comic-Con, and this is the Con Guys show coming at you straight from the heart of Hollywood, California, with the news, celebrity interviews, and fun-loving opinions to help fuel your passions. We are your ultimate insiders, filmmakers, writers, actors, costumers, gamers, panelists, but most of all, we are fans. And whether it's sci-fi, collectibles, comic books, gaming, animation, cosplay, or fan conventions, if you love it, we cover it. Your behind-the-scenes look at all things con. What's this? What's what? Have you got soul? If so, the world's hardest working band is looking for you. Contact Jay Rabbit. I'm putting a band together. Do you need a singer? Wise men say... Well, what kind of music are we going to be playing, Jimmy? Soul. Soul? That's what you've got to measure up to, lads. Well, like, maybe we're a little white. See if you could play before I pay for them. Lads, 
You're looking at the commitment test. William Management, Brother Rabbit. <laughs> relations on a professional basis. <laughs> How are we professional if we've never been paid? Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now, of course, we have to say hey to our sponsor for this week, NSC Live TV. That's right, NSCLiveTV.com is the comic book network created for geeks by geeks. Sounds familiar. They are the premier network for all of your comic book industry-related news, featuring live sales, comic shop creators, podcasts, cosplay, news, interviews. That's NSC Live TV. Check them out. Okay, kids, we've been waiting to talk about this movie for quite some time, and we have a great crew to talk about it. We're going back to 1991, and we are talking about The Commitments, and we have our band together. Mikey, does that make you the lead singer for this band? <laughs> yes, I'm, 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 I'm the diva. Uh, well, I could have I told you that for many exactly, years now. Exactly. Yes, it's been 30 years since this uh, film came out. Can you believe it? 30 wow, years. That's, that's a long time. 30 now. years. Uh, and so, yeah, we're going to go uh, to the uh, north north side of Dublin. I think uh, Berrytown is yes. the name of the trilogy, right? So yes. uh, this is the first the first part of the Berrytown trilogy. Um, we're going to discuss the commitments, the first movie. Um, and uh, we've got one half of our movie crew here. Uh, we've got Alex Autry back. Uh, yeah. So uh, tell me, Terry, when... Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's, a, it's an honor to be here, as always. Um, looking forward to this one. This one's one of my favorite Irish films. So, uh, Yeah. It's a it's a great film. Um, yeah, a lot of love. No spoilers for our review, but nobody's going to come out here and like pan this movie among us because I think we all love it per se. Um, and unfortunately, the other half of the movie crew could not be here. Transmission issues, unfortunately. Transmission. Yeah, issues. she could get the movie yeah, to transmit yeah. to her house. Yeah. I don't think she could. Uh, yeah, maybe she couldn't understand the the thick accents. I don't Why know. there's but, subtitles? Um, in any case. <laughs> in any case we've got a great replacement right from chicken town cornflake is with oh, us welcome back to the station sweet. oh it's so good to be here and to talk about the commitments a movie i learn a little bit more about every time i watch it and i cannot wait to discuss it with all of you prior like before we get into the movie um alex uh let's talk about the box office for this one, I, it was not very remarkable, was it? This movie made no money at the box office. <laughs> um, this movie made this movie made uh, just shy of fourteen million at the box office. Uh, now, if you grow, now if you adjust for inflation, uh, it still made no money. Uh, it uh, it did adjusted for inflation. It made thirty million dollars at the box office. Uh, 
Um, it's uh, even it's it's sales on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, also, not huge numbers. Uh, made only three hundred twenty thousand on Blu-ray sales. So um, it's it's not exactly one that you would call a a box office success. But I, I know that its fan base is a rather rabid one, and that's because they're right to be. So, absolutely, I, oh, I think yeah. this is you know, I mean, a lot of people think of extreme movies when they consider cult classics, but this is definitely in that yeah. category. Very true, and at least um, one half of Siskel and Ebert liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder which one. Uh, <laughs> you look at. You look at what else came out that year. I mean, that was the year of Backdraft, Beauty and the Beast, Silence the Lambs. I mean, the competition was pretty stiff. My Girl. Well, I don't know if anybody else in here likes My Girl as much as I do. I think it's a different type of stiff. (laughs) (laughs) Went there. Yeah, but I I will put it out there that this movie probably had the best soundtrack. Soundtracks. Out of any of the soundtracks that's right there were two of them that's right and but but out of all those movies that you named that this is probably one of the even beauty and the beast even better than be our guest i I will i will put it up i agree i will as as far as original uh, music goes no it doesn't match to beauty and the beast that said it definitely has a much better soundtrack musically than say terminator 2 True. I could listen to that what, soundtrack what the movie, commitments all day, every day. Yeah. I was really worried that you about Terminator there for you. <laughs> <laughs> what the movie didn't do in the box office, it made up for on the Billboard charts. Uh, it reached number eight, received triple platinum status, and that's the first um, CD, uh, the first soundtrack. Then the second album achieved gold status. So, um, yeah, I think the 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 soundtracks way outdid the 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 movie in terms of gross and and popularity to be fair to be fair 13 million dollars and by the way uh box office mojo actually shows it at 14.9 million dollars as opposed to the numbers saying 13 million and it was only shown in 588 theaters oh there is that yeah so i mean okay granted it did less money than madonna's truth or dare yeah yeah but it's also not a movie as much as I love it. And I think it's got, you know, a great reputation. You don't see it a lot. Like you don't see it referred to very often. You don't see it out there on streaming. You don't see it on regular TV or whatever. Uh, I'm surprised because I do think that um, it, it's much better than that. Like it, it's, you know, I guess there's a reason that it's a cult classic, but um, I don't I don't understand exactly why it's not just a classic. <laughs> like, like what's the, why it hasn't reached a wider audience. And it could be, it could be the, uh, the accent, uh, the Irish accent, because it is pretty thick. Yeah, it's incredibly it Irish. <laughs> it, is, it is an incredibly Irish film, uh, completely shot in Ireland. Um, it, yep. it really leans heavily uh, into its Irishness. And the fact that, I mean, a lot of, a lot of music for that time period is openly mocked in this film. There's a lot of bands in the, that are that are just completely trashed uh, in this film because they're it's, focusing. It's yes, I remember that <laughs> they're, they're looking specifically uh, for 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 soul, 
And I mean, they really, you know, uh, you, you're not supposed to be playing jazz. You're not supposed to be listening to new wave. Um, you know, all no these guns different, and roses. No guns and roses. Doctors. This is an Irish movie that goes against you too. Those are you two and Sinead O'Connor at the height of Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> exactly. So it's yeah. out there. Um, let's get into our personal history with it. Cornflake, we'll start with you. What was? Did you first see this in the theater? What was your history? Oh, with heavens, no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I know her story with it. <laughs> this movie was not on my radar. Most movies were not on my radar, but I can tell you, even if I had any idea about the commitments as a movie, growing up in New Hampshire in 1991, I would not have been allowed to watch a rated R movie at the time that it came out. Mm. So this is my upbringing the way I was raised. So the first time I ever heard of this was an episode of the, the flop cast, actually, when we were going back over uh, Kevin's, I, I, y'all know Kevin, my, my partner in crime over mm-hmm. the flop cast. Uh, we're going over Kevin's and my favorite movies out of each year of the nineties. And we made a bunch of episodes about it. And his number one from 1991 was The Commitments. And I said, what on earth is that? And he said, we need to watch it together. So if you go back to Flopcast episode 333, I watched the movie right before that. And that was in 2018. It's the first time I ever saw it. I have seen it a ton of times since and can't believe what I was missing. Wow. So I'm a relatively new fan, but a, a quickly like quickly very deep fan of this credit to credit to kevin for for reaching out and grabbing someone and and showing him the movie i'm so lucky to have Uh, him around for those sorts of things i missed (laughs) so much but i i think i mean usually his recommendations are not reliable i mean like he made you watch all those i know (laughs) this kind of and and all those episodes books of dynamite magazine (laughs) Can we get can we so, get Ashley and Cornflake on a show? Of <laughs> movies they've never seen, because I would listen to that. <laughs> that that would that would go to infinity, I think. Uh, and so so many. Well, I was never a kid who could sit still for very long, and so I'm only now starting to get into classics that came out in the '80s and the '90s, and. Um, it's so funny to look back at, at least I think it is and see that the commitments was a rated R movie compared to what I was told rated R movie should be. I mean, what was it? The language? I, I, it could, it, it, that must be it. And that maybe that's a big stumbling block. That's yeah. what I was thinking I mean, too. I wonder the, if they could have made it PG 13. The accent is so thick. You can't even understand it. The, the main, the major issue is, is that the MPAA has very strict guidelines. And if you use the F bomb twice, you're an R rated movie. <laughs> that's all that it takes. That is all that it takes. Um, <laughs> Even if it's not pronounced the, correctly? I mean, they don't... The, the movie Student Bodies, which is a horror film... I know. Was, there's a scene in the movie Student Bodies in which they stop the film and the director goes, because of the fact that we have to, that more people go to a horror film if it's rated R and we're not showing any blood or violence, oof, ew. And, and then they start the movie back over again because uh. they got it in twice. And that's all that it takes. So yeah, all that it and takes. since the F word is the primary word uh, of the uh, of the Irish uh, in this film, um, 
No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't want to stereotype, he says, with his bright red hair. Um, <laughs> we are, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and not only are we 30 years late in bringing people's attention to this movie, but uh, we're even like a week late because we should have done this as our, our St. Patrick's Day episode. So, Oh, gotcha. Close enough gets the job done, guys. <laughs> we're still on the month of March. It's fine. Our green hearts were yeah, in the right yeah. place. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so conflict. So, once you saw it, then um, what was it about the movie? You know, overall, what was it about the movie that you loved? Uh, I was really surprised at how the soul music overtook me in the context of let's bring the people's spirits up. I just never thought of soul music that way, and uh, the the ensemble cast of characters and all of their little quirks and intricacies uh, watching, uh, <laughs> watching Joey the Lips Fagan <laughs> and um, yeah. Jimmy Rabbit. And I mean, seeing Call Meany, I don't think I've watched that movie once so far and not said Scotty and pointed at him. Um, and also just like knowing th- I loved listening to the cores growing up and knowing all of the Irish musicians that found their way into little bits and pieces of the movie. But I think what brings me back to it over and over again is it's so much to take in all on one first watch. Like every time I watch it, I think, Oh, I, you know, I didn't notice last time that uh, the kids were throwing things into the fire in the alleyway, or I didn't notice last time that there was a dog on the roof of that trailer thing. So it's just, it's got things coming at you from all directions. And I think that's what really drew me in. It's interesting because they show you a side of Dublin that you don't normally see in movies. Right. It's usually like rolling green fields, right? And Exactly. You know, it's, you know, Ireland, you think of, you know, like the quiet man with John Wayne or, you know, Dobie O'Gill or something like that. You don't get to see the, you know, the lower class of of Ireland, of especially Northern Dublin. So well, it's, it's say, just really interesting. I will say I had the pleasure of being in Dublin in 1989. Uh, and uh, Were you in the I, filming of this? <laughs> no. yeah, didn't you see me? I'm the dog that's on the top of the... No. Um, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> um uh so and i could tell you that um dublin was going through a lot then um and it is a very much a working class town or it was then i and i think some things have changed about it but um i um yeah i think i could definitely see that it's got roots like that i mean i went to i went to college in in worcester massachusetts and dublin feels like a sister city to worcester massachusetts it is very much a working class town um and it feels like it and so this movie really resonates with with me on that level um alex what about you what's your history with this movie when did you first see it and and why i'll tell you terry um (laughs) anytime i ask a question that's how we're starting it i was Um, today years old when i realized that he was referencing terry wogan Mm. wow um I actually, you know, I, it's funny because, uh, again, I'm Irish and Scottish till the day I die. Um, I was an Irish dancer growing up, so these Irish films always kind of, like, would, would sneak up on me. And I saw a trailer 
for this one. And I'm like, okay, okay. It kind of feels like Irish Blues Brothers. And I'm okay with that. And we get the moment in which the saxophone player is, it looks at them and says, I'm black and I'm proud. <laughs> and I'm like, I have to see this movie. So we, we actually found uh, a theater locally that was playing it. And uh, my mom, bless her heart, uh, took me to see it. And yeah, it was, uh, we, we loved it. We loved it. She loved the Irish of it. I love the, the, uh, the music of it. And I love uh, uh, Alan Parker just hiding things throughout the film. Um, and, and the end result was a two hour film. That's just so good. Um, and it's just absolutely entertaining from beginning to end. Like there, there isn't the drag spot in it. No, not at all. No, it does move pretty quickly. It's hard to believe that it's actually like you it's know, like two, two hours, hours fifteen feels... minutes or something like that. Yeah. And they're not just giving yeah. us snippets of the songs that the performers are, no. are playing. They're giving us the whole enchilada. They're just letting it play out, right? And you, you're captivated. You just you don't want it to. True end. story. Yeah, no, it's um, very true. Mike, what about you? What's your what's your history with the commitments? Commitments similar to what Alex was. You know, I saw the preview for, I don't remember what movie I had seen it with, but this movie I actually got to see in the theater originally and was blown away from the very first scene. And it was, it was beautiful. It was just a beautifully fun movie that made you feel good walking out of the movie theater. And this movie also was one of the last movies I saw before I moved to Seattle. So it was extra special for me because after that, it was all grunge and everything, you know, at the time. <laughs> but it was, it was, I remember seeing it and loving every second of it and loving the characters, loving the accent, loving, you know, I was you know, the pessimist in me it was always waiting for something bad to happen to Jimmy or something. You know, like, you know, oh, that guy who sold him the equipment was going to get his revenge at the end, you know, or something. Like, he's walking through the out at the end after, you know, the limousine left him or something. Those guys stop him and beat the crap out of him or something. But it doesn't happen. It is a feel good movie all the way to it has so jimmy tell me what happened to the rest of the band you know it was and it's just it's just great and i think i think you hit upon something mike though because it's it's a feel-good movie about a band that doesn't succeed <laughs> it's like yeah the, the band so i mean it comes together but the band you know disintegrates and that should not be a happy ending and yet you come out of after watching this, you're you're feeling positive. You're feeling it's really an interesting dynamic. That's that's reminds, soul right there. Ex exactly. Yeah. In some ways, it reminds me of the movie That Thing You Do. Oh. You know, with the one hit wonder. You know, and it was a band that imploded on itself on its best night, and it's it's just awesome. It is just. It is just amazing. The egos got in the way and it was destined to, you know, not succeed. And they were magic. And it was a magic moment each time they performed together. It was, and it was just great. And it, capturing it on, in the story was just 
was great because I had read the book the year before this came out. Mm. And I didn't even know they were making it into a movie. And it was it was just awesome. Is it pretty faithful to the book? There's you don't have singing in the <laughs> I know, I know. So so is it so yeah, it's just story. So it's, just, it, it's you know Yeah, it's fairly there's some difference. You know, it's a lot more about Jimmy and putting the band together, managing it and everything. But overall, this is the most faithful that they did and everything out of the three movies. Yeah, I should point out that yeah, the 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 Roddy Doyle, uh Irish writer wrote a trilogy that's referred to as the Barrytown Trilogy. Uh, the Commitments is the first novel, and it was made into a movie in 91. Second novel is called The Snapper. It was made into a movie in 93. Uh, and then the, the third one is The Van, and that was made into a movie in uh, 96, I think. So, um, And uh, the movies are separate, kind of. Uh, they're all done by different people. Some of the same cast members. Cole Meany, right? I know Cole Meany is in. Colin Meany's yeah. in all three. Yeah, is in them. So playing the same character, playing, and they all have to do with the Rabbit family. Uh, uh, so, um, Mike, so yeah, you also, you, you, Mikey, you also forgot the fourth movie once with Glenn Hansard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Academy Award winning once. Outspan exactly. strikes again. <laughs> um. Okay, so for me, I did see it in the theater as well. To me, the draw was Alan Parker. Uh, growing up as a film uh, aficionado, like a film fan, cinephile, whatever you want to call it, director as a tour, um, and I just loved his movies. Uh, from Midnight Express to um, Pink Floyd, The Wall, uh, to... Um, Angel Heart, which he had made before this, I think Mississippi Burning was pretty incredible as well. Um, I just, anything that he did, I was a fan of. So uh, that was the main draw for me, uh, was to see, was to see what his next effort was. And, uh, you know, I, I'm part Irish as well. Uh, I had just been to Ireland. I had just been to Dublin. So this movie uh, felt like authentic to me from that perspective. Mm -hmm. I like uh, the music, I like the soundtrack. I've kind of always liked that kind of music as well. I think, um, but to me, the selling point, the reason why this movie and the soundtrack to me is just so special is uh, Andrew Strong. Uh, I have to say like his vocals are like, I mean, even when I was just watching it this weekend, every time he sings, it, it brings me to tears. Out of this world vocals from that guy. Isn't it? And and this is a guy that I mean, this is what this is a guy that proves that like shows like American Idol never work. Uh huh. Because this is a guy that I mean, like setting aside the character of Deco, this is a guy that just looking at him, you just know he wouldn't make it past the first round in America. Yeah. And yet that voice is so. Because my understanding is is that originally the guy who plays uh, Jimmy. Jimmy who's a real musician was supposed to be the lead singer of the commitments in the movie. He was, he was up for that role of Deco and they like Alan Parker moved him over to be the manager um, because they got, you know, once they got strong, they were like, yeah, that's, that this is it. This is the guy. <laughs> Son of the the vocal coach for the movie, right? Ron, Ron Strong was the dad. Andrew Strong was the son. Oh really? Yeah. That I didn't know. And incredibly wow. so young that... Andrew Strong at that. You'd never know that when they were filming that movie, he was like 16 or 17 years old. 
Yeah, he really? he's he's oh, a year yeah. younger than I am. Um, and wow. yeah, he's he was. Young and- <laughs> he, he was like 16 oh. or something pounding back the guinness in this film um oh god yes because the well you know and, the drinking age in ireland is is like yeah. two yeah exactly if you can get to the Put bar the you bottles. can have a drink you know <laughs> exactly. and a total a-hole he's a total you know you reach yeah, the bar. Was, uh, yeah no but you know what that was what was wonderful about him was that like i mean even like the first time we see him singing you're like oh my god this guy this guy's great um, mm-hmm. and then they talked, he winds up, you know, Jimmy winds up talking to him at the uh, bus station and he's like, uh, yeah, you, you know, we, I saw you sing. He goes, where did you see me sing? <laughs> he goes at the wedding. He goes, I sang at the wedding. So he's so blackout <laughs> drunk. So awesome. Uh, they had no idea. Thank goodness he did too, because otherwise they would have spent the whole afternoon listening to and, and, and. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With the explanation point after yeah, the first, the second, second and. And. so it would be and and and. <laughs> so. Oh man, that's so that's so like eighties though. Like yeah, that's that's what bands were doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, that's a, that's a that's a that must be a riff on the the. It's, it's either the, the the or Tony Tony Tony. Um, <laughs> Combination, you know, <laughs> two birds with you one know, stone. You know. Um, so yeah, I, and, uh, I do, I do know that, um, uh, I can't think of what's the actor's name that played Jimmy here, Robert Ackett, Arkins, right? He, he does end up singing on the soundtrack. So, um, yes. uh, so yeah, you do get to hear his vocals. And I think one of his songs is in the movie in the background, uh, that he does the vocals yeah, for. Yeah, Treater so, Right. And, and so it. Treater Right, I was about to say. That's he's no our, slap. He's no. quite no. good. I actually saw, I saw them in concert and he was awesome. Oh, cool. so when yeah, because I do know that some of the cast members afterwards did uh, they did a commitments tour. I think they still do commitments tours, don't they? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. And uh, or they do them off and on. I mean, I know that that's something that yeah, it, it's happened, and it's usually at least one person that was in the movie, right? Yeah, like you know, they had the guy who was the drummer, or the guy who was which one? Know. There's two of them. <laughs> exactly. No, that's when I saw them. It was. <laughs> Yeah, when I saw when I saw him, it was mostly the whole band. Mm. Wow, and everything because it was what ninety two or ninety three. Andrew Strong doesn't in normally appear for those, but he did on the twentieth anniversary tour. Yeah. Oh wow! Did you? Yeah. So I was going to say, yeah, yeah. If you saw him in concert, that was that must have been pretty amazing. It and it strikes me as odd. Uh, I guess the reason why I'm surprised he's so young is I'm always shocked when I see, and it's happened frequently, and it usually happens with British people for some reason. But um, when I see young people playing like soul and blues authentically, like I'm like, how do, how do they have all that life experience behind them to be able to do that? Because that doesn't, because soul and blues require. It, you know, Jimmy could probably say it much better than I. <laughs> Dublin will mess you up. That's just all there is to it. Dublin will mess you up. Um, you know that you know you, you pop out of your mom and you're sent to work, and uh, you know when you're two, they give you a Guinness and a package of cigarettes, and uh, you just because I mean, let's face it, that guy was like Andrew Strong was 16 years old. Tell me he doesn't look 30. Yeah, he looks like he might even be in his 30s. Yeah, he, he, yeah. He looked like he'd been he'd been pounding again. Yeah, he, for a while. he had been oh, yeah. he had been road hard and put up wet. Um, but it works. It's another. It's like another layer 
for him. And that's what this movie does is there's so much layering and so much. Uh, why was Jimmy the lips, the, the late, the ladies man, where did that come from? And you mean, why you mean Joey, the lips, right? Joey, the lips. I'm sorry. Yeah. The man's Jimmy. nickname, the lips. Come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All that talk about like treating the instrument like a nipple. <laughs> yeah. There's, <laughs> Plus, he's the most experienced. He's the Not guy. Anymore. He's the, you know. He's got uh, charisma, though, right? So he does. He just has, like, yeah. he's telling these tall tales, but he's got this way of just bringing everybody around to believe him. So he's kind of like, he's kind of like a he pie, telling piper, tall but tales? with a trumpet. Is he yeah, telling you tall don't tales? Know, you don't know if he's telling the truth or not. Yeah, His mom's that's a, crazy. That's really fun. <laughs> oh, God, yes. No, no, I, I got it. I got it, like, he drives a Suzuki. Oh, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Chicks dig yeah, the enough. wheels. Cannot yeah. get enough. Yeah. By the way, oh, I can. Yeah. I, I found the quote here. Then, like I said, Jimmy could probably explain it better than I could. He does in the movie. He says, soul is the music people understand. Sure, it's basic and it's simple, but it's something else. Because cause, cause it's honest. That's it. It's honest. There's no beep bullshit. It sticks its neck out and says straight from the heart. Sure, there's a lot of different music you can get off on, but soul is more than that. It takes you somewhere else. It grabs you by the balls and lifts you up above the shit. Um, and that's that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, I don't know. Is that are those sentiments like that in the book, or is this totally come from uh, Alan Parker in the movie? No, it comes from the book completely, gotcha. and everything. And Roddy catch well, Roddy is an awesome writer anyway, and he he does some amazing stuff. But he he captures the characters in the movie very much from the book, and so that that actually carried over, and that was just it was just wonderful. And to see some of the stuff come to life on the screen was just it was just imaginary, and it was it was great to see. And I loved how you know they were practicing in the on top of the pool hall, and you know oh how how long do we have this place? Well, my the owner of this place is in is hopefully going to get out in two months with good <laughs> behavior, you know. And it's just it's just awesome the little things with that, and it's it's just great. And when they turned on the lights to that practice area, that the pinball machines and all the pool tables, it was just like, oh, I want to go there. I want to go there. It was just it was just and the awesome. birds flying into the rafters. <laughs> oh yeah, leave it as clean as you found it. Yeah. yeah. uh alex i think your um comparison to this movie to the blues brothers is kind of interesting uh in particular because one of the thoughts i had in this movie and uh i'm another thing that i think it gets away with that i'm kind of scratching my head as to why is uh not only is it about uh (laughs) let's face it a bunch of white guys playing you know traditionally african-american black music but it's also even has lines in it that say like, you know, uh, the Irish are the blacks of Europe, Dubliners are the blacks of Ireland and Northside Dubliners are the blacks of Dublin. Say it once. I'm black and I'm proud. Say like, it loud. Um, I'm black and I'm proud. Say it loud. Sorry, right. Say it once. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. And, um, and, and it gets away with that. I mean, in this whole thing about cultural pr- appropriation or whatever, um, you know, you would think that a movie like this might be considered "quote unquote" problematic, but I didn't feel any of that while watching. The culturally, uh, there is a phrase uh, called the Black Irish, 
um, which does, which is the, the working class uh, uh, set, um, does come up a lot. And yeah, it, it should have felt uncomfortable at this point. It's straight up appropriation. Um, but the way that it's done in this film is not we're taking this from. Right. They're not edging it's, anybody out. Yeah, they're not pushing anybody out. They're instead saying, we love this. We, uh, we, we get it. We want to play it. And I'm not 100% sure if they, ha- if they actually got it in the beginning. Um, but the first song, if I remember correctly, the first song they practice is, uh, uh, is uh, uh, Mustang Sally. Yes. I think it's most. And then yes. the last it's, it's song, one. Uh, one of the last songs we see when they're like at their peak and are absolutely breaking up in twenty minutes, is Mustang Sally, and just a mm-hmm. difference. There's there's this level of difference of connection oh. between them, like they connect perfectly to the point where when they break up, the reason why the movie's not a sad ending is because when they break up, you're like. Yeah, but I saw them at their best. I didn't see them before they fell apart. Or, or after things had gone just horribly, horribly wrong for them. I saw them at their peak. And and that's why this movie has got such a phenomenal ending. Despite the fact that they failed. <laughs> they just straight up failed. Well- on some level, they failed, but I also think that there is some success. No, they failed, right? No. I mean, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Please go. Um, on. But um, and, and cornflake, I know that you just said that uh, you had said that uh, you know they're they're uh, what bouncing off what Alex said about how they're not stealing it away from they're they're not appropriating it so much as they are honoring that the feeling of behind soul, right? Like. Like and it's an ode. It's, they it's have, a tribute, essentially. They have. We know that they all have so much respect for Wilson Pickett. It is vital that Wilson Pickett like join them, and the fact that he doesn't um, kills the band, which probably would have died anyway. It was. It was already being killed already. You know the whole thing over Joey. You know, with the girls, they were throwing the motorcycle helmet around to each other. But and... if there was one thing that could have saved the band, I don't think so. I don't think, don't so. think so because we've no. already seen the pin pulled from the hand grenade, and that was when the first drummer left the band because he absolutely yeah. sat there and said, "I can't, ha- I can't handle Deco. I'm gonna throw my fist down his throat, and I'm on parole. Why are you on parole? Because I hit a guy because he was an ass." <laughs> Because I, I hit a guy just like, like exactly. So I mean, I, I the, the the pin was already been pulled. We'd already seen that that uh, uh, Joey was uh, going through the different members of the band, and honestly, I didn't want to see any more of that. Um, I will never look at Shaft the same way. <laughs> it kind of ruined that, verse, didn't it? But it ruined it for me, man. I'm like, I understand that song. The grenade pin may have been pulled, but when you see that limo go by, you find yourself wishing you could have at least seen how it played out, even if the band was doomed to split apart in a million directions. 
because mm-hmm. as 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 chaotic as things were before the encore, leading up to when they performed that last set, and then during the encore, like right before that, like that break, they're all at each other's, you know, next they're they're out they, to kill each other. They on, yeah, they are. They get on stage for the encore. They're in perfect sync. They've never played perfect better. form. Yep. Oh, yeah. they they were perfect, no matter the arguing and everything that happened before that. You know, when they were up in the in, you already had the sax player also becoming more of a jazz maker. Yeah, sure. And you know, and you so you it was falling apart, but they sounded so good. They were so tight, especially the encore when they played Midnight Hour. It was just. Awesome. Has anyone else in here ever been in a band? I have not been in a band. I've, I've, I know a lot of people who've been in bands, but I have not. Okay. It, throughout my teenage years, I was in bands and that fighting behind the scenes for who's going to have the solo and, and who's going to do what. And the way that it vanishes when you go on stage because, you know, you've practiced and you're going to give the crowd what they came for, but then you're back off the stage and you're at each other's next again. It's It's so... It's so real. <laughs> it's it's very commonplace. Um, it happens everywhere. I mean, you asked if if I if I'd been in a band. Yes, I marched for two years. Um, but yeah, it's that it's that same situation. You get into the practice area, and everybody hates each other. Yep. And you're you're either you know, and again, this was you know the early eighties, you know, late eighties, early nineties. So uh, either everybody was hooking up or was just angry. Uh, and there was enough drama there for Shakespeare to write two plays. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, in the end, you're right. It's like once you're on stage, everybody knows their position. Everybody knows what they need to do. That's why the scene um, in which Deco uh, actually accidentally knocks over the girls at the same show that he blows up their uh, bass player. <laughs> right. Their, their first, first gig. Um, and, Heroin and, kills. Yeah. <laughs> With an E. There's not a, like, there's e, an there's extra a, there's, E. Yeah, yeah there's, there's only one E in heroin. Uh, <laughs> Nobody in this town could That spell. is the moral of this story, kids. There's only one <laughs> E in heroin. Um, yeah, so I, I think you can just see that in the beginning, they weren't a band. And when they finished, they were the best band. And at that point, there was no need for, the, for us to see them again. That was as good yeah. as they're going to get. Yeah. But their best was best enough. No, that's a good way to put it, actually. Not that really. It's terrible really grammar. Really <laughs> uh, but it, you you said yeah. it perfectly for the yeah, Irish, sure. so it was good. <laughs> um, uh, I do have to mention, we kind of mentioned him a little briefly, uh, Cole Meany as uh, Jimmy Sr. Um, just you know, small part, but he just nails it. I mean, uh, the fact that he's an Elvis lover uh, is perfect. Sings um, it beautifully. You know, goes yeah, from... that's sings, sings yeah. it beautifully. I had forgotten just how good he is when he sings it. Every time I go to watch that movie, I forget that he also sings in it, and then he starts singing "I Can't Help Falling in Love with You," and I'm like, "Oh right, he does sing this movie." <laughs> Oh God, yeah. yeah, and he doesn't just like I love Croons. it because he starts singing it, and he just keeps yeah. going and going and going. It's like wow, he's going to sing this whole song, isn't he? <laughs> One of the things I love is his, his sequence where he's listening to, uh, to to Joey the Lips tell the story of being in Graceland. 
Oh. And and oh, you hear that what, what and you hear it? that story and and he finally asks the question. Did, did Elvis take drugs? <laughs> and this is truly the first time when you have to sit there and go, oh, Joey's a liar. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says he never, never saw it. it. He never no. saw it. Never not saw I, it. Not that I saw it. And I also okay. love the scene during their first show when because the father wouldn't go to mm-hmm. the show because he thought it was going to be crap. So he was in the pub across the street and, you know, and drinking and the, the two twins who were played perfectly. They love were the finished. Twins. The twins were <laughs> awesome. And it was just awesome. You know, they came in and they said, and he's, and they said, you know, he's, they're doing really good. And he says, he's shocked. And he goes over and he's had every show after that. Because it's how much he liked, you know, I was like, God, these guys are good. Yeah. Thing. Mm-hmm. And I got the feeling that he wasn't the type of father that went to go do that for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I think he has like, I don't know how many kids there. All of them. I, I got, I, yeah, All he's got a, a bunch. Not of, as many as Bernie's family. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Bernie's it's true. family hits that stereotype hard <laughs> so uh other things about the commitments uh anything else of note that, that kid uh, on the skateboard that asks for an audition while uh while jimmy's in the bath i kept thinking he was going to come back and be relevant he's relevant oh he's relevant <laughs> go ahead <laughs> who is he want to tell him Oh, uh, I thought I thought you were going to take it away. No, I'm not. I'm not stealing your thunder on this. I was going to let you. No, (laughs) he is. um, He's a a national skating uh, competitor and and champion. He's also in the cover art for two U2 albums from 1980 and 1983. Yeah, he's on boy. He's way more. Yeah. One of the things I love is that Alan Parker, when they're in the uh, when they're in the video store, uh, they are you know watching James Brown perform and everything like that. If you take a good close look, one there's a cutout of Alan Parker what? in the oh, place. Wow. <laughs> yes, and an entire wall is filmed is filled with the movie Birdie, which was the last movie Alan Parker had done before the commitments. I like that movie, but in a hell of a soundtrack. This is a guy that one of the things I loved uh, about Alan Parker's work is that he incorporates music so well. Yes. Whether it's a traditional soundtrack or, you know, something like this where he's pulling from, uh, well, this is sort of a mix, right? It's sort of a musical, but it's not really a musical. Like it's just one of those like kind of in between. It's a performance movies, musical. It, it works. Mm. They, they acknowledge, they know they're singing. And right. and the, yeah. while the they don't just they don't just burst yeah and the music and doesn't it. drive the well, the music drives the plot in certain places, but it doesn't help continue the storyline as it were, um, mm-hmm. like Beauty and the Beast. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, anything else of note, Alex? Oh gosh, there's. I mean, we've already discussed. Uh, the the course was basically formed on the set of this movie, uh, which I think is hysterical because they all uh, different members uh, of the band wound up uh, auditioning 
uh, for this film, and that's kind of how they all met, which I think is really cool. Uh, I think I think it does mean it is of note that when they were casting this movie, they didn't look for no. actors; they looked for yeah. musicians. They like Alan Parker wanted to form a band. Yeah, in fact, I think uh, Joey the Lips is only was one of the only non musicians. Right, uh, he's the only one who doesn't play his own yeah. instrument. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else does. It's, it's Whereas awesome. Deco pays a little too much attention to his instrument at various points in the movie. <laughs> that was wow. the thing I noticed la- last night when I watched it one last time before this. Is like I forgot how many times he does, like how many times he grabs his junk in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's still Michael Jackson, but he does grab it a lot. You know. <laughs> I like the fact that uh, Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino, huge fan of the movie, uh, and actually mm-hmm. loved the movie so much that he invited one of the cast members to be in Pulp Fiction. Exactly, uh, and that's how she winds up in the uh, the needle scene at, uh, mm-hmm. at the Arquette House. So, yeah. oh wow, oh yeah. I I when I saw Pulp Fiction, I was like <gasps> commitments. It was like, <laughs> yeah. so there's a lot of staples in her face and stuff. <laughs> Oh. So, uh, yeah, Robert Arkins ends up being Jimmy Rabbit, but I was reading up on this movie, and, and you know who almost ended up being Jimmy Rabbit, who were they, they were thinking about for the part? Van who? Morrison. <laughs> yeah. Really? Uh, they wanted Van Morrison for Joey the Lips. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, they yeah. they wanted yes. him for Joey the Lips. But it's gotcha. it's a crazy to think that he might have been in that that position, like – than uh, what Johnny Murphy ended up being in the movie. I just, I absolutely can't picture it at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I can't yeah. either. We, we, <laughs> meant, we mentioned the F-bomb earlier and how that got it in R. Uh, the movie's runtime is 118 minutes. So without credits, it's just under two hours. F-bomb 169 times. Awesome. <laughs> wow. wow. So, they, so uh, we know yeah, where Tarantino got there. it from. Um. <laughs> so many f-bombs but i think that my favorite like diss in the movie my favorite derogatory term is tosser i i love that every time oh, i watch God, this yeah. i go back to using the term tosser <laughs> one of my favorite irish bands is the tossers oh nice and it's actually it's actually a, a term that they used for the currency uh once it got switched over to the pound because their money was now useless oh. so you could just toss it and that's where that comes yeah, I'm sure from. That's what. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Mike, anything more about the movie from you? Oh, there's just so many scenes I would love to, you know, talk about. Love the wedding scene yeah. at the beginning, which is just awesome. You know, it's and you know where and 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 was playing. So you know, it was just, it was just a great, great scene, and because it's so. It so fits into the culture, mm-hmm. and you know, and they don't have any trouble showing parents slapping their kids, or <laughs> you know, if the kids acting up, hey, get over you, talk, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's just awesome. And then one of my favorite scenes is actually when they're on the subway car, yeah, and and they start singing. It's just, it's just destination awesome. anywhere. And that, yes, yeah, great. It is. It's just. And that shows up later when they're uh, when they're on the I think when they're in the ice the the, the yeah. food truck they, they say yes. it again in the crispy and, uh, 
Oh, yeah. they're in yeah. that chipper and yeah. um, chipper, they, stop. <laughs> they stop and an old couple walks up to order something and all we have is soul. <laughs> they drive oh, away. Which is beautiful. Soul. It's a fish pun in, in a fish and chipper. Here. <laughs> yeah, because wonderful Deco let out a huge ass fart <laughs> in the, with everybody. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can practically smell, smell that through the screen every time. Yeah. Oh, God, that was the first time smell-o-vision would have been, like, really bad. Can, can we all just appreciate Grandpa at the uh, at the wedding? Oh, yeah. He's sound asleep, and then the oh, small yeah. child trips over his feet. And he wakes up and, <laughs> throws, his ba- and throws his hat to the F-bomb ring. Exactly. <laughs> F-off. That's my Grandpa like... right there. That's the Grandpa that I want. Um, exactly. So, you know, I thought it was it was a ton yeah. of fun. I would definitely recommend this to anyone who has not seen it. Absolutely. Yes. If, uh, yeah, if you, if you've listened to us, praise it. Um, has anybody seen the musical? No. And say I have. No. The, I don't know if that ever made it to Broadway or anything, but I saw, uh, I saw the they, once musical, but I did not see the commitments. Music. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause uh, apparently I don't know how else well, is here that it, uh, it premiered at 2013. Oh, I guess it just sh- showed up in the London's West End. It, I don't think it's ever played here. So, um, yeah, there's been a uh, UK and Ireland tour. So that's ne- actually has never come to the States. So there's an opportunity for someone right there. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, yeah, if, if you would Ireland like to make a musical stage version of a film that made $14 million, <laughs> um, then because <laughs> you could pick that or Toy Soldiers. You know what my my business model usually is uh, staying away from uh, projects that make money. So I think it sounds like it's right. Oh. Um, so uh, hence anyway. ESO. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Well, cool. Well, um, uh, I think we all agree that yeah, if everybody's listened to this uh, and we've uh, you know haven't turned you off it uh, with our rants uh, and raves, uh, please uh, go see this movie because it is awesome. Before we go though, real quick, Mikey. Is it possible that people can still get the soundtracks? Soundtracks are still available. And um, actually, the commitments was part of a wonderful sale on Vudu. Uh, and I think you can actually buy the movie for like four ninety nine. Not bad. There is, there, there is a free version of it on YouTube. Also right that. Mm. Yes. Free so, version of the movie? or Yeah, the, of the movie. Oh, wow. Yes. And you don't even have to pay. But you, there are also on YouTube, there are concert yeah. uh, videos of them when they perform live that you can see tons of it if you ever want to watch the band actually perform. And this is the early band all the way through current. They have different from different eras. So it's pretty cool if you get a chance. Yeah, I, I don't see how anybody could watch this movie and not want to get the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, soundtracks. Soundtracks. Actually, I only have the first one, so... Um, I'll have to rectify that at some point. Mm-hmm. But anyway, thank you guys so much. Uh, we will be right back uh, to close out the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela. And this week, this geek girl is talking about the Marvel Champions card game from Fantasy Flight. Marvel Champions is a cooperative card game where players work together to defeat the bad guy and save the day. You have a pre-constructed deck that you can also customize. The base game comes with six heroes and a couple of different villains to play against. 
You can also purchase other heroes and villains separately. Separate from the game, I also have Scarlet Witch and Miss Marvel, which I really enjoy playing. This game is entertaining and takes a lot of strategy to figure out which allies to use and how to defeat the villain before they win. My first game of it took a little over an hour in two-player mode. The game can play up to four people, and the artwork is really fun. The card and game quality is great, which is what I would expect for Fantasy Flight. And this game has a ton of replay value, since depending on which characters you play, your enemy minions will change, and there's just a lot of different game scenarios that you can go through with all the characters and villains. The game is also pretty easy for younger players, as long as they have a decent grasp on reading. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. And now it's time for the Creative Outlet segment, and we are here with writer I Am Sam. Welcome to the show, sir. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. You are working on a project, Wink, Golden Age Gone. Want to tell everyone about it? Uh, yeah, Wink is like the first book in a whole line of series. It's about 100 pages, and it's just uh, it's about a uh, monster girl who's in search of her favorite manga, the, the last five volumes of her favorite manga during the monster apocalypse. So I wanted to make a story. You know, I got kind of tired of all the um, – you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of monster shows, love monsters, everything from Godzilla to The Host. I don't know if you guys have seen The Host from Korea. Great movie if you ever get the chance. One of my favorites. I just love monster stuff. But at the same time, we always have the uh, monsters worlds are kind of depressing and sad and everyone's just dying of misery and things like that. I kind of want to make a character that kind of, uh, yeah, she's living in that kind of world. But, you know, she's looking for something, you know, like I wanted to give her a, a goal. You know, I always start stories off with a goal, right? And her goal is to simply find the last five volumes of her favorite manga during the monster apocalypse. Now, it's it's a lot harder finding your favorite manga when you're, you know, in, during the monster apocalypse. So that's pretty much what I've been trying to do. Just going on her journeys all throughout the monster apocalypse to find these last five volumes. She's going through Cthulhu's territory. She's traveling the Midwest, which is overrun by killer unicorns, you know, and on the East coast, she's trying to find, you know, so it's not easy just going to the comic book store and picking up her favorite manga during the monster apocalypse. So uh, I wanted to kind of just have fun with it, get goofy you know, uh, and at the same time, have a serious overtone. But yeah, I, I got tired of, uh, you know, basically the uh, misery overtones of a lot of the monster books. But uh, at the same time, it's uh, right now it's it's volume one, Golden Age Gone. It's it's kind of a story about how the the, the superheroes in that world kind of screwed everything up and, and turned the world into the monster apocalypse after they lost. You know, we always have that time when uh, monsters are, the superheroes always win. But what happens when they lose, you know? And so that's kind of touching on that. So it's a kaiju book disguised, or it's a superhero book, disguise, or kaiju book disguised as a superhero book. <laughs> and um, so I'm actually doing this in uh, 3D. Um, so I, I got a hold of 3D and I, I decided to give it kind of a, a cool little look to it um, because, frankly, I, I just couldn't find an artist. You know, I was <laughs> searching for artists worldwide and i just couldn't find the right artist for the book to kind of um how do you say uh commit to the project because i i really want this to be a a big thing so i decided to do 100 pages I, well first it was going to be 32 pages and 32 turned into 100 pages real quick so 
already have the first volume done, 100 pages. So that's what we're kickstarting right now is the 100-page book, uh, all done in 3D, simply because I couldn't find an artist. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to do it myself. So I took a lot of the 3D tools. I use AI. I use all kinds of stuff to create a really cool 3D look, CG uh, style. And um, basically what I'm going to be doing uh, after this, I decided, you know, I have all these 3D models, superheroes, because I think uh, in this book there's over 40 superheroes and 40 villains. So that's 80 3D characters in just this one book. And uh, so I decided, you know what, um, I'm going to animate them. So the next thing coming up is going to be an animated comic book. So I hope guys, I hope you guys are able to uh, support it because um, we're going to have some fun with it. Because one of the really cool rewards is that if you if you if you want to uh, donate to it then we're going to turn you into a 3D superhero character. And one of the other rewards, if you want to print it out, we're going to print it out. If you want to get them animated, you know, you want to say something to a, fa a friend or family member with that 3D character superhero version of yourself, you can. If you want to get it 3D printed out, we got that situated as well. So we're just going to have a whole lot of fun with 3D stuff, monsters and superheroes and the whole whole thing. That is awesome. How long did it take you to create all this world? It it's amazing from what I've seen. It's, it's beautiful what you've done. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's, it's kind of fun. Uh, one thing I like about 3d is once you make an asset, you can modify it over and over again. So I painted a lot of them. So I usually said, okay, I'm just going to rush through, not rush through, but I, I want to make a character because a lot of them were background characters and stuff like that. Uh, so I took some archetypes and then I just painted over them and I was able to get through all 40, uh, superheroes really, really quickly. I think it took me, well, this project, this hundred pages actually took me about four months to complete. So, oh, wow. um, but, but now I have so many different characters. I can really crank out the pages at this point. Um, basically because I use 3d, I can actually crank out about three pages a day, but it's, it's wow. a lot of work in the, in the front, the front end, it's a bunch of work, uh, on the back end, once you compose them, move them use motion capture to put them in a certain position and uh, they're kind of good to go after that. I've actually uh, created tutorials on how to make your own 3d comic book. So uh, awesome. using whatever tools out there. Yeah. Well, I am Sam. I am very happy to help you guys with your Kickstarter and your project. I wish you the best of luck with it. I know personally, I will be donating towards it to help you out. And, well, thank you, so much. you know, I think it's a great cause and please, please tell the folks at home where, you know, what, how people can look you guys up. Uh, you can look us up at int.pub slash wink, all capital letters. Wink is W-I-N-K. So wink, ink.pub slash wink. Uh, or you can just go to Kickstarter and check it out at, uh, you know, just do a search for wink, wink, um, Golden Age Gone, and it should come up. Um, or you can go to my website, comicsandmanga.com. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. I am Sam. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, sir. And best pleasure of to luck. talk to you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. 
All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Three, two. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for being here tonight. Cornflake, it has been way too long for since you were on the show last time. It's so great to be back up here on the station. I can't thank you enough for inviting me and not just to be here, but to talk about a movie that I love so much. This was a, a blast. Well, we couldn't see doing it without you because kevin already told us that if we did you'd be leaving the network and <laughs> never speaking to him again so wait we could leave Promise the network not to reveal no, that. no 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 wait that is there, not an option. option no 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 <laughs> look at your contract fine print fine print fine print well i guess i'll be sticking around for a little while longer then <laughs> with all my heart i am so happy about that anything so you want to promote well, I would love to promote my podcast that comes out every week with Kevin. That's the Flopcast. That's at flopcast.net, facebook.com slash flopcast. Our Twitter handle is at flopcast, and we're on Instagram at the underscore flopcast. You know, that just comes off the tip of my tongue. It's like I say it all the time. Every week. Uh, <laughs> new episodes every week. Geek culture, a lot of stuff from the 80s and the 90s, and... Uh, absolute ridiculousness. Come check us out at podcast on that. You are a saint for everything you do on that show. I will say that. <laughs> oh, you're too kind. <laughs> you, it's not. You're going to be back on the show way quicker than last time. I promise. Can't wait. I thought I had ejected myself permanently after after the geek seat, so it's good to be back on the show. <laughs> well, well, you know, you always take a little bit of the geek seat with you. It never really Ew. leaves you. So. You know. As you know well, Mr. Alex Autry, and thank yeah. you as always for being here. Man, it's I so enjoy getting the chance to talk movies, and and this is always a great group. And uh, while I miss Ashley this week, it was fun getting to talk with Cornflake. Oh yeah, it it was great. Just the chemistry tonight and the way it flowed was perfect. So watch out, Ashley. You're seeing other podcasts. We could add to, to that. You know, we're not scared. <laughs> We are not scared at all. Don't threaten her. <laughs> the poor She's girl already has, she already has transmission issues. So, yeah. <laughs> so what do you got for us for shout out tonight, sir? Honestly, if you like the commitments, I highly, highly recommend the 2016 film Sing Street. Really got the chance to see it uh, just a few weeks ago, and I've absolutely fallen in love with it. It's the story of, see if this sounds familiar, an Irish band getting started um but it's with a new wave kick um oh, cool. so it's really good the music is excellent it's another fantastic soundtrack uh and voodoo does have it uh as a special price right now so if you can't find it on amazon prime which i think is also showing it uh or imdb tv uh you can definitely check those out but honestly I, I sing street's one of my one of my new favorites that is awesome that is awesome. I think oh, eventually oh. we're going to have to do the movie review of High Fidelity. You know, to, if we want to do a perfect mu music move, you know, movie talking about the critique of music. You know, I just I thought of something, and I know it's not my turn anymore. But that's okay. Um, it's not. It's like not we're music real official here, so no, it's okay. <laughs> it's um, it, it's not music driven, but 
I guess maybe semi-relevant because we're talking about Ireland um, to the commitments is if you've not seen the the series of uh, the television show Dairy Girls yet, if if you like the stories of Irish culture, I would I'd make that my recommendation. Yep, up on Netflix, isn't it? Awesome. Yes. Yes. I actually, and they also do a bonus episode of the Great British Baking Show with the the cast of that show on it. Oh, so cool! Yes, I've seen the cast on Crystal Maze with uh, was it Robert Ayoade? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's pretty awesome. That is really awesome. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another episode, sir. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. What are you going to shout about this week, sir? Well, I, I know we already have the we already had the creative uh, outlet, and uh, and I definitely think while people are checking out um, Wink on Kickstarter, they should also take a look at a new project from someone uh, that uh, I think is is really cool and talented. Uh, it's artist Chandra Free, and she is uh, got a new edition of the God Machine, which is a personal project of hers that uh, she's been working on for quite some time now but she's got this new version of it in fact she's calling it revision so if you're familiar with the god machine from back you know a few years ago you want to check this out because it's got a new format it's got some new material through it and if you've never been um if you've never read or even heard of the god machine please check it out this is volume one it's a great starting point um, it's a dark comedy that delves into one boy's struggles with depression and the supernatural. It's populated with crazy gods, terrible monsters, and offbeat goth friends. Uh, so if you feel like going on a trip around the world and back, check out God Machine. I uh, I definitely recommend it. Awesome, awesome. Um, for me, my shout out is, you know, just listen to some good music. There's tons and tons of amazing artists out there. The commitments just made me go back and I started listening to like the Pogues. I started listening to the Coors. I started listening to, you know, a lot, some Scottish bands, some Celtic music. And there's just so much great music. That's just not based here in America. There's some amazing world music out there. And there's so many outlets now to listen to it. You know, if you want an afternoon and you're sitting in front of your TV Instead of watching a regular television show, go onto YouTube and watch some videos from bands spun off from the commitments or spun off or based in that era of time. Or, you know, as I didn't admit it during the review of the commitments, you know, when they sang Take Me to the River, I was like, to my friend I saw it with, it's like, oh, the Talking Heads song. He slapped me. It's like, damn you. No. <laughs> They do. They do it in that bad version. No, I know they do for for a bunch of tossers. For oh, ah! please, please. So yeah, um, so definitely listen to some great, great music. There's a lot of smaller bands or some genres you might not have heard before, but you know, try something new. And in this time when we're still not a hundred percent fully up, being able to get out. Check out new music and stuff because a lot of these bands are still touring, you know, vir either virtually or once things open up, they're going to be out in force. And this is great to go time to go see live music or even online to see concerts. And a lot of them are doing free streaming. So definitely check out music whenever you get a chance. That's my mantra. That's what I just love to talk about. 
So definitely do it. And speaking of things we'd love to talk about, we are going to be back again next week, and we have a great episode for you. We are going to be talking about movies that we regret watching. Honestly, the commitments is not there. But maybe that movie we talked about that lasted four hours at the beginning of this show might be in there. But I'm not going to talk about that right now. You have to wait till next week when we talk about movies that we regret watching. So it should be a ton of fun to do. And, of course, we definitely would love to hear from you. Please write us at feedback at earthstation1.com. We have always a ton of stuff that we like to take care of, and we like to always say thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You could find them at www.nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music and Audible. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yeah, we're not too proud. I told you I wouldn't beg, so I'm not begging here. I told you at the beginning of the show. No begging tonight. So just tell your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Cornflake, and of course, Alex Autry, thanks again for listening. We'll see you here next time on the Air Station One podcast. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and we are done. Peace. Boom. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Our Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.